0: Hello
1: and welcome to Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, RJ Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our dear friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, today... Is a unique opportunity. You know, I, I normally give a pitch right about now to download the Nahum Siegel app. I think that uh, it's, a, it's an awesome way to be up to date with the latest and greatest uh, news, music, information that's relevant to most of our listening audience. Um, there's a different app uh, that for those of us living outside of Israel, uh, gives you a sense, uh, a very small sense, but a sense of the challenges uh, that our brethren are going through, uh, I'd say daily, but it's really not even hourly, it's more frequently than that. And, uh, and just to give an understanding of the, the issues that are going on, and, uh, and certainly on our show where we try to bring technology, entrepreneurship, uh, the connection in between, I'd say, Israel and America, but it's really Israel and the rest of the world together in one place. Uh, it's, it's important and, and poignant for us to be able to bring our audience up to date in terms of some of the things that are going on. Certainly, while our head and our focus is at work, our heart is, uh, is in the East. And that's why today I think we have a unique, uh, pleasure and privilege, uh, to be speaking live with somebody from Israel. Uh, our guest today is Effie Straczynski. He's a Young man with an incredibly experienced bio. He's from L.A. originally. He made Aliyah after high school. Uh, high school, he attended ULA. Uh, in the late 90s, he attended Bar-Ilan University for both a BA and an MA. Uh, ironically enough, from one of the more prestigious Israeli universities, he received a MA and BA in English Linguistics. Uh, he's been living in Ginot Shomron for over 10 years. He's married with three darling and very cute kids, if I may say so. Uh has a Thank very you. wonderful family. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was going to call you Effie, your brother, who I know very well. But, Robbie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us.
0: It's my pleasure by Lightstone. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: We are significantly less thank you for than a little bit of the little you of introduction. Please, please call of a little bit of a little you, of a little you of a little bit of a little bit I, I want to get into – a little bit of a little bit of a new approach for Tech Talk. I think a things that you do are are being able to look at what we do from a completely and totally different lens. And frankly, some of the skills you bring to the table are skills I'm very jealous of. But we have you on. You're right now in Israel. Can you just give
0: us a sense of
1: the mood in your neighborhood, in your community, in your family?
0: Uh, With regard to what's going on in Israel right now?
1: Please, yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I live in uh, a place, Ginot Shomron. It's, uh, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with the geography, it's, uh, I'd call, it the geographic center uh, of Israel. We're about 40 miles due north of Jerusalem, uh, about, I guess, 35 miles uh, east of uh, Tel Aviv, uh, Renanak, Farsaba area. And, uh, you know, distance-wise is one thing to be, I guess, uh, somewhat far away from uh, the Gaza Strip but besides that uh, again you know due to our location in the shalan we are surrounded uh you know it's, it's a number of different settlements and a number of different arab villages are around here as well so uh not that we're going to accuse uh those who are firing rockets of having any logic but assuming they do it wouldn't make any sense for them to sort of fire to this area so where i live uh, we actually thank god uh, have not had uh, any sirens uh so locally community wise uh, you know, we we laugh, we say, well, here this is one of the safer places, so to speak, uh, to be living right now. Uh, I will, you know, just be very frank uh, and candid that I'm I'm thankful that my little kids have not heard uh, the siren and uh, or anything like that. And you know, for for what it's worth, better or worse, I know there are plenty of uh, millions of children who have heard the sirens, have slept in bomb shelters, etc. But uh, I am thankful for you know the little bubble that we still do have that my kids are simply unaware. Uh, the, of anything that's going on, uh, that's just on the local level. But uh, I do work uh, in the Tel Aviv area. Uh, this morning, I was on the train in, heard the sirens, and I even saw the Iron Dome uh, interceptor uh, rockets being launched to uh, to intercept uh, the uh, you know what what Hamas is uh, is launching. And then you heard the boom, but I to actually see it, you know, go from the ground, it's it, it looks like you know you're sort of living in Star Wars. It's a little surreal. Um, but uh yeah, it's, uh, definitely. <laughs> we're definitely totally very aware of it. We uh, heard we heard it, we heard it uh, in the office today, and you know, you had about a minute, uh, according to the Home Front Command, to go into the sealed room, uh, into the protected room. So we all just sort of filed in, turned on the TV in there, waited to hear the boom, and then you just sort of have to go on with your daily routine. I mean, it, it's strange to sort of say this, but you know, it, like you say, it's uh, every hour, every day, whatever it is, however often. These, uh, rockets being launched and the sirens are going on. We're not hiding in our homes. Uh, we gotta go on with our daily lives. Uh, we go to our jobs. Our kids go to our, to their, uh, to their, uh, you know, uh, ga- guns, to their, um, kindergartens and to their camps, assuming those are not canceled. Um, and they are in many, many communities. Uh, I don't live near the Gaza Strip or anything, so I don't really know firsthand what's going on there, but from what I'm reading in the papers as well, uh, it's, uh, it's disconcerting, and uh, we're definitely supporting our soldiers uh, who have been called up, many of my friends, many of my colleagues at work, uh, in terms of, you know, as soon as uh, the order is given to do what they're supposed to do uh, and uh, protect us. It's uh, the IDF, the Israel Defense Force. We're not trying to hurt anybody who ought not to be hurt. We just need to protect our citizens.
1: I, I, this it's tech talk. So I, we don't we don't oftentimes have an opportunity to to although we speak to a lot of people in Israel certainly the time uh, requires that question and doesn't require it out of out of obligation requires it out of I think our hearts uh, need to have that and and frankly speaking to you and this will be a transition and and we're only making a transition because it's what we do we go to work and we go on with our day because that's, you that's know, right. part of part of how we win but. Spokespeople like you, I think that you just articulated so incredibly clearly and 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 poignantly to an audience that is is overwhelmingly in favor of pretty much anything that would wind up happening. But but we don't live in a world where that's the case. And uh, and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask our audience out there to listen when when we speak to you to hear how you're articulating even within your your, your world of work how how you're articulating what you do because that'll enable us to learn from that in terms of how we can articulate. Forget in our workplace, which will be valuable, but also in terms of our personal uh, obligations, which really is to be supportive of of Israel in all the ways that we can. And, and maybe we'll reserve the last five minutes that we have you on for some different ideas uh, and techniques that we can use in order to do that. Um,
0: no problem at all. Th- th-
1: thank you, Ravi. So, so let's talk for a minute um, before we get into into the details, the nitty gritty of of what you're doing. Um, how did you how did you you're in israel you're an m a b a in english linguistics from Bar-Ilan university where do you go professionally how did you decide what angle you wanted to take professionally at that point in time
0: uh it's a very good question um well honestly you know when you're sort of freshly graduating out of college you sort of take what you can get. Uh, and the the first job that I took, uh, I was offered to work in a place called Eric Cone Books. It's in Rahanana. And what they do is they produce books for kids to learn English as a second or as a foreign language. Uh, so I got, first of all, into the education field. Um, and it's just I was thankful to be offered any sort of job but didn't really know where I was going from there. I didn't realize... Uh, you know, I, I knew what I knew academically speaking, but I didn't necessarily know how to practically apply it, uh, other than you know maybe sort of editing and proofreading, uh, and that sort of jived with uh, you know doing precisely that for educational books for kids to learn English. Uh, that's sort of how I started off uh, my career directly from the uh, linguistics aspect of it, uh, and over the last I guess uh, it's been about uh, eight or nine years. Uh I've done a number of different I've had a number of different positions and different jobs, some of them in the field of education. But uh from about four years ago, uh it sort of got into gaming. Uh gaming meaning gambling, the online gambling industry. Uh on a personal note, it's uh, you know, having grown up in Los Angeles, we used to go to Las Vegas about five or six times a year, uh, you know, from when I was about eight years old. So you know, for a number of years every year that was just our fun place to go. So I sort of had it in my genes. It's something I always enjoyed. The idea of, you know, gambling slots. Obviously, you know, you're too young to do that. But to sort of see it around you, it, it excited me. It uh, got my blood pumping. So uh, about four years ago, when uh, an opportunity presented itself to get into that industry, uh, there were there was a company who was looking for someone to do uh, writing for their websites, uh, for their press releases, for their um, uh, you know, for their blogging, that sort of thing. They needed a native English speaker to produce that. Uh, they are, an, you know, online gambling company. They allow for, you know, casino gambling, uh, betting on sports, bingo, uh, poker, that sort of stuff. We don't allow Israelis locally to go ahead and gamble. That would be against the law, but, uh, you know, for the customers abroad, they need a uh, native speaker talent to go ahead and, and produce that. And, uh, luckily I fit that bill professionally. And, uh, on a personal level I just enjoy it and uh, it's pretty cool to be working uh, in that industry.
1: So that that's interesting. So it's an Israeli online and uh, maybe I'll just take a, a brief uh segue to say here on the Nahum Siegel network we don't uh we're not encouraging any of the any of the products directly or the <laughs> actions associated by the products but it is a f- fascinating in, uh, industry that uh that uh from the little bit that I do know of it it happens to have a fair mm-hmm. amount of Jewish people involved. It's obvious, you know, from, probably from top down would be Sheldon Adelson, uh, who is mm-hmm. may, maybe one of the most philanthropic, certainly passionately pro Israel individuals in North America in terms of placing his money where his mouth is. Um, and it is a, it's an interesting industry. We're not, we're not going to talk about the, the ins and outs in terms of in Vegas, but I'll, I'll tell you from a, you know it, just going to some of the places and I've been to many conferences there that that just seeing the architecture um in and of itself is a th- there is a thrill to some of the things that where imagine it's really feeding on one's imagination it enables that concept of creativity etc whether it's in the gaming or it's in the experience that they're trying to paint uh but I certainly understand and and, and I'm sure at least some of our audience can can you know their heart races just a little bit faster um with some of those things. So you have an Israeli company that does online gaming. It's not allowed in Israel. So if you're in mm-hmm. Israel, you can't be gaming. But th- their primary target market then is who? Uh,
0: that would be Europe. I mean, it's, it's funny you say it in terms of just one company. Believe it or not, I mean, this, you know, billion dollar online gambling industry, I'd say about, uh, you know, conservatively, uh, to estimate about 50% of the industry is based here in Israel. Uh, and places like, you know, uh, Ramat Gan, Tel Aviv, places like those, all, that's where the offices are. Uh, and what we do is it's the brain power work. It's the marketing. It's the translating. It's the, um, you know, front-end web designing, the software development, uh, the customer support. <clears throat> and, you know, we've got uh, people who have made Aliyah from a number of different countries, uh, so they cater to the market, which would be uh, Europe, mostly Europe, uh, also, South America, anywhere where basically it is legal according to the you know the, ju- the jurisdiction and their and their laws that 's who we will market to <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's sort of to tell you a little bit of an inkling and uh, just as uh, a little aside from my side there's certainly a uh, demarcation that needs to be made between live and online gambling. I mean, you mentioned Mr. Adelson, yes, love all of the philanthropic work uh, that he does for Israel and with British right, et cetera, but uh, for those who may or may not know, he is actually against uh, online gambling. Uh, we don't cater in general, uh, my company, to the United States. Uh, we don't allow that because that's uh, not legal unless it's in certain states, and we don't have a license for that. Uh, it's completely licensed, regulated, above board, everything that we do. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a fascinating industry. I mean, as much as my heart got pumping when I first got into it, there was a lot that I needed to learn about it in those first few months. I just sort of spent... Actually, playing a lot of the games to understand what is it that makes our customers tick, and how can we get them, uh, you know, encourage them to keep on playing uh, the games. So that's the type of writing that I do.
1: Oh, good. So so now, well, let me let me take a a quick break and remind our audience that we're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmndm.org or nachumsiegel.com. Go ahead and download our app. It's a great listening, interactive experience. We are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. On this show, we are privileged. Uh, to have a guest calling straight in from Israel, Robbie Straczynski. I practiced his last name several different times, and I think I've almost got it down. Uh, he is in Ginot Shomron, talking to us live right now about – both his experience in Israel as well as uh you know sort of the career path that he's taken since uh graduating Bar Ilan, that's now brought him to a fascinating field uh of professional writing uh for um, it's it's it seems from your bio, Robbie, that mostly it's poker or is it all forms of online gaming?
0: Well, what I do in my full time job, it's all it's all the casino sector actually. That's what I do in the full time. The operator that uh, I work for, that they have a number of different brands. It's across all the different sectors, where it's uh, you know, online poker, online casino, sports betting, bingo, uh, etc. Um, what I do uh, on the side, uh, you know, nights and weekends, uh, except for uh, Shabbat and, and uh, the holidays, is I have my own uh, poker blog that uh, i 'm very passionate about that 's something i 'm very into, and uh, that's got its own uh, separate audience, mostly uh american and uh, I'll be happy to talk more about that if that 's something that interests you and your audience
1: uh, of course of course it does let let 's stick with at the moment from the the quote unquote full time the big company play um, sure when when mm-hmm. they approached you. It, to, to me, and this is something that, that, that I think is interesting, at least to me, hopefully to our audience as well, how do they put metrics? What, what's a job description that they're looking for you to achieve or to accomplish? Uh,
0: very good question. Uh, well, the bottom line, you know, how the company makes money, just like any casino, you always say the house always wins. So, you know, the bottom line is, you know, they basically need people to play the games that they offer. This is a, you know, we are the daughter, a licensee of a software development company called Playtech. They have developed all of the software, you know, whereby people can play all of the casino and poker, et cetera, games. And what the company essentially does is it markets it, you know, a casino is great, but you got to know that it's there. So essentially all of our jobs, you know, whether it's software development and all that stuff, it sort of leads up to the end game of bring the people in the door, and the software will sort of do what it needs to do because it's enjoyable, high-class, first-rate, uh, state-of-the-art type of software. Uh, my particular job uh, is, uh, I guess, honed in on that bringing them there and also keeping them there because I do write a lot of the internal marketing emails, uh, you know, for our players, letting them know that we have such-and-such such a promotion, that if you make a deposit uh, you know we 'll offer you such and such a bonus. It might be that we have um, some really great games that are themed after uh, Marvel Comics or some of the uh, great blockbuster movies that go out so we 'll talk about how the game is themed and what sort of combination you need on the uh, on the slot machine to hit it to hit this million dollar jackpot jackpot or euros uh, what what they have you. And uh that's uh that's a lot of the the day to day sort of thing, is promoting the games and uh you know, making it such that people who read the content that I write, whether it's in an email form, a press release or on the website, are enticed to say, Hey, let's give this a shot and um, yeah, that's uh that's sort of what was pitched to me when I when I began and uh luckily uh I'm uh able to fill that role for them.
1: See that—that's very interesting to me. I'd like to try to understand better the mechanics of. So, are you part? Is there a marketing department that you? Ha, 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 where? Uh, maybe it's an assumption. I am. You—you work out of Tel Aviv, which is where the company is based.
0: In Ramat Gan, yeah, right next to Tel Aviv.
1: Uh, Ramat Gan. Okay, so you're in Ramat Gan, where the company is based, and there's a. Marketing department that that develops the strategy, and you are an essential part of executing that strategy. You're developing the strategy. How? how just for those of us who have never heard of a marketing writer before, you know, wh- mm-hmm. wh- how does that how does that play into the company structure?
0: Hmm. Um, well, I would say you sort of need to know who your customers ought to be, and you need to know who your customers are because there's an internal and an external side of things. Uh, the external side is you sort of say to yourself. Okay, how do we get, you know, this particular demographic to want to play the games? So you appeal to them in that precise way, like you'll use different types of wording to appeal to men or to women and, you know, put that out on the site, try to get it out in press releases, get other sites talking about you and the great games that you offer. Uh, that's the external site and we also have affiliates that work with us. Uh, that we provide some material, you know, marketing materials for them to go ahead and do the promotion. Uh, on the internal side, it's people who have already signed up and opened up their accounts. Uh, and we basically try to get them to come back for more. Just like, you know, if you want to go to a Dodger game, sorry, I'm from LA, I gotta say the Dodgers. Uh, you go to a Dodger game, you know, you want someone not just to buy a game, uh, you know, a one game ticket, you want to buy them, you want them to buy season tickets. So you want to get them in general to keep on coming back. And uh, I guess sort of the, the the brain thing that goes into it, the uh, the, for, the foresight, the thought. You know, we do some brainstorming each month, and we have our meetings, and we say, okay, maybe you know such and such an event is coming up, like we just had Wimbledon. Uh, we have the World Cup going on. What sort of offers can we get themed to that? Do we have any uh, slot games or casino games that have to do with soccer or with tennis, and maybe try to promote those games because it's seasonal. That's what people are watching and write emails like that and then next month it'll be something different you know obviously we're marketing uh all over the world so christmas is a very big season for us and we have a lot of christmas themed uh content that goes out Uh, and it follows a, a pattern of a cycle you know uh you know month after month year after year and uh you know we sort of keep our finger on the pulse to see what's working we look at our analytics and to sort of see uh you know our people playing we look at our emails and we do what's called uh, ab testing we'll test the titles of emails that you know is someone going to go ahead and open it if not then what can we do to improve what's called the click through rate and get someone to open the email like i said it's about getting them to open the door once the door is open the product will sell itself uh that's the belief but uh, that's basically what uh doing marketing is all about and when it comes to writing it's about <clears throat> knowing the right words to use and appealing you know and knowing who your audience is so so those two, two things sort of go together
1: I think that for the audience out there, and we we skew a little bit as we discuss a little bit offline Robbie we you know sort of the more traditional uh, Jewish industries, whether it's education or it's real estate or it's law or whatever else it would be, but we've all sat in that time where you know we had to send out some form of informational, maybe a solicitation, maybe an invite to a communal gathering, to something else like that. And and Mm -hmm. we, like like you and your company, are competing with over-cluttered inboxes, not enough time, not enough resource, not enough money. And I think at this point Mm -hmm. in time, certainly I'm thinking of this. I'm positive the rest of my audience is thinking about this. Never value the art of what you do more than when you (laughs) sit there and you you try to reword that thing. What's going to make that person click on, uh, on, on this, the click through, and, and, and it's an, it's an art form, and I assume with your analytics, to a degree, it becomes a science. Um, yep. how much when you, when you so you, you'll send out something, you'll run your analytics on the thing, you'll see whether it was successful or not, do you then, Take do you have the ability and this is just a curiosity question do you have the ability to take the the let's say uh, guys age uh, 22 to 30 were incredibly excited the fact that you mentioned Batman in the subject of the email or something else like that do you then divide them into a different subset whenever like, you're going to come out with some Spiderman whatever the thing would be the marketing piece or or do, or do you have to realize that wait well, I only hit 10% of my population over here 90% didn't click through because they don't like Batman uh, are you able to take your population and to continue to, to to divide it down even more narrowly based upon the things that they like?
0: Uh, well, there's definitely, uh, precisely what you say in terms of the internal marketing. We know who our audience is because they give us that information when they sign up. They give their date of birth. They give male or female. We know what country they live in. And, uh... You know, so obviously we know their ages and, you know, that basic information about them alone is very valuable to us because, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, not my particular role is not to say, okay, let's go and find a 20 year old. That's a different department and I go ahead and produce the content for it. But I'll tell you very plainly, <clears throat> the, uh, just the fact that Wimbledon was on doesn't necessarily mean that every single player of ours is into that sort of thing. So, what we'll do is for you know whatever it is uh you know the end of July or sorry the was the end of June, you know we'll have a number of different emails that I'll have produced, and you know it'll be completely segmented into our different uh our different uh, populations of people We'll have one that'll go out to men, one that'll go out to women, one for older players, one for younger players uh that's in terms of the internal email marketing for sure we're prepared for. You know all the uh, different types of audiences, and uh, we have to give them what uh, what they're looking for. Um, on the more external side, on our uh, on our website, we try to be a little bit more uh, general to appeal to the wider audiences. But in terms of um, you know players who <clears throat> who have already signed up, it's just a matter of keeping them interested. And you know there's uh, everyone's got their own taste, so we try to cater to all the different tastes. We've got hundreds of different games. Uh, that could appeal. You know, some games are table games like roulette and craps and and baccarat and uh, and, um, and blackjack. Those may appeal to a certain segment, and we'll know. You know, we'll be able to tell. Okay, those are the games that they're playing, and we'll write those types of table game emails for them. And we'll have a bunch of people who will you know swear by the slots, and we'll write emails for them as well to give them special offers for free spins or or that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so there's definitely a, a science to that aspect, and uh, I appreciate that you mentioned the art aspect for sure. It's not as though anyone who just happens to speak English can go ahead and sit and sit where I'm sitting and uh, produce something. There's there's definitely a, a good amount. You need to have a very good feel of the English language and be able to put it all together uh, to get them to uh, to click through, open that door, and uh, start playing those games.
1: So I, I, I have two questions that go off of that. I'm going to ask both of them now so I don't forget them, but you can answer them in whatever order you want. Um, okay. If the core of your market certainly is international but not necessarily American, uh, can, can you answer why English is or, – or do you have a counterpart in French and German, etc., that's also working with you? So that, okay. that's sort of quest, question number one. And question number two, it's less of a question, a, a little bit more uh, terrified. I'm, I'm assuming that if they do this in your company, every time I've signed up for anything ever, um, they have somebody, maybe not with your talent but with your attempted expertise, uh, to be figuring out which email to send to me at what time of the day, uh, word in a specific way.
0: You better believe it. So we'll answer that, uh, both of those questions. Wow, those are great questions, and you definitely hit it on the ball. Uh, first and foremost, uh, with regard to the English being important, it is, you know, because whereas America is not necessarily our target market, Canada, South Africa, Ireland, England, uh, New Zealand, you know, any place like that, plenty of English speakers, and obviously anyone else who speaks English around the world, uh, you know, that's a very, very significant portion still. Of whom we market to Or to whom we market um, But uh, yes, we do have uh, a full in-house translation department Pretty much everything I write uh, Almost everything I write Gets translated into at least six or seven basic languages uh, Other stuff like that's uh, more general on the website uh, Gets translated sometimes even to ten, eleven, or, or 12 languages That gets uh, outsourced sometimes but uh yeah, by all means, you know, you gotta speak everybody's language just like you gotta know what they're interested in. You can have the best email in the world, but if they don't speak English, you know, you gotta give it to them in German or in French or in Portuguese or Spanish. So uh that definitely uh that is that is hundred percent correct. If they capture the arts of what I've written, that I don't know, I don't speak those languages, uh, but we definitely try to um, you know, mirror whatever it is that I write uh, we actually happen to sit on the same floor. If they've got a question, they come to me and ask, uh, and I try to explain it further so they can capture, uh, you know, the expression in their own language and, and sort of the message that I'm trying to send. Uh, the are second wait, question... Are you able to run the
1: same... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm now going to cut off my second question because I have a follow-up to that. Okay. <laughs> are you mm-hmm. able to run the analytics in the same way in the other languages to see the phraseology, et cetera?
0: I believe so, and I, I can't give you a definite answer because I'm not the analytics guy. Uh, uh-huh. We our, our little department gets presented with uh, the numbers, and we're able to sort of draw conclusions from that. I believe that's what they do, but I can't give you a definite yes or no. It would make sense if that's what they do.
1: Awesome. Okay, um, now uh, just, just really yeah. curious about
0: that. Okay. The second question, the first thing that I thought of when you said it, was a Celebrity Jeopardy skit that I remember Adam Sandler, who was part of the uh, Saturday Night Live cast at the time, gave this answer of who were the marketing geniuses that came up with that one. And that was sort of his answer to every single clue. That was the running joke, the running gag. There are marketing people in every single company. And what what I'm doing, we certainly apply to the casino and uh gambling vectors or sectors, whatever whatever you'd call it, but what we're learning from on the professional uh, English language and marketing side of things, we're learning from places like Copyblogger and, um, you know, content marketing sites. Uh, we're reading about search engine optimization, which is kind of critical, meaning like when you type something into Google, what are the results that pop up? This is more on the uh, external side, obviously, that emails don't don't get read or search engine as uh, I um, you know, put in the search engine. But uh, what we're learning from on the professional side, we are you know copying from what we see Coca Cola, Nestle, all the big companies. What they do, what are they doing that makes their products so successful? Let's try to do what we can to apply it to our audience as well. What makes them tick? And uh, you know, I again, I'm not that part of those companies, but I can guarantee you. Uh, there are certainly marketing departments in all of those countries saying, okay, this is the commercial we need to air in Los Angeles, and we'll air a slightly different version of the commercial in New York. Or, you know, even Sports Illustrated has a number of different covers. uh you know, a TV Guide has a number of different covers. Uh TV Guide's still around, right? I think so. A number of di- a number of different covers that go out to different regions of the country uh for precisely that same reason you know you uh, you know McDonald's no, they will not sell hamburgers in India they sell veggie burgers you know you got to you know adjust your menu adjust your offerings to the people who are consuming what it is that you offer so i i do think the answer to your question is a uh, resounding yes Wow,
1: and, and but the, while you were answering that question, you really brought up something else, and I'm going to take this, uh, this brief segue to remind everybody that they are listening to Tech Talk on the Nahum Segal Network. We are privileged to have Robbie Straczynski on with us from Israel, um, describing a really cool field, uh, marketing, but marketing through the language that's chosen, not, the English versus a different language, but how it's chosen and how it's applied. And that's really only part of what he does. I'm excited to segue into the next part. But uh, but we've got Robbie on live with your host, R.E. Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmantheam.org or nachomsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Um before we get to the next question, now would be a great time for some of the audience who might be jumping on halfway through the show to know how, how do they follow you? How, what's the best way to interact with you online? What, uh, follow you on Twitter? Read your blogs? I know that gets to the more personal thing, but uh, for, the, for the audience maybe tuning in now or maybe have to run somewhere else and aren't going to get back to our, uh, uh, to our podcast later, let, let's let them know how to find you, Robbie
0: oh thanks uh yes i'm uh very active on twitter uh my uh tag name would be at card player life it sounds exactly like it's spelled c a r d player p l a y e r l i s e at card player life um definitely happy to get some more followers and engage with you answer your questions personally uh that is uh my personal account i don't uh tweet there too much about uh my uh, full time job uh, and I'm also on Facebook. I'm always happy to make some new friends. Uh, you know, just search my name, uh, Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, and I'll spell Straczynski out for you because it ain't easy, S T R A Z Y N S K I. So I'm on Facebook, I'm Twitter, and it's not that hard to find me. You can also Google my name and see the stuff that I've written, uh, both from my workplace and uh, my private on-the-side sort of stuff. And I do have my poker blog, so if that's something that you're interested, you're always welcome to visit CardPlayerLifestyle.com.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, what, what I'd like to what's it called? I'd like to get into now, um, and then we're going to get into into your quote unquote side job, which which sounds you know one of the things I, I was reading some of the interviews that uh, that I know you've taken in the past, and uh, and the overwhelming amount of stuff that you're able to do in your day. I want to find out a little bit more about that also. But what I'd really like to figure out first is I assumed, you know, English linguistics as a major is not necessarily a cutting edge degree. It's an important degree. I'm jealous of the skills, but there's not, there's not a lot about it that to me screams cutting edge. Okay. But what you just described in terms of the advancements in this form of marketing, none of us should assume or think for a second that you aren't changing and adjusting and adapting literally daily in order to keep up or to get ahead of your competition. It is not a stale industry. It's an evolving industry. Is that, is that fair?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, you know, but I chose English linguistics because I have a passion for language, and I agree with you. It's not necessary. It's uh, I wouldn't call it stale. It's not like it's Latin, but uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, there's there's a lot of science to the language as well, and knowing how to properly use it and apply it. I mean, we we choose our words carefully in everything that we write, and to really, you know, I I, I, I joke about it that I've got a master's. You know, to really truly master a language, uh, you can study it, understand it, and you know, you. Control it in a sense, and you're able to do some amazing things with it. You know, whatever industry that uh, that you're in.
1: Right. So that 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 to me was was I, I would not have anticipated that uh, that how how cutting edge and important. Whether it's SEO and and some of the other aspects that are involved. You know, what what degree mm-hmm. um, that has. That to me to me was very interesting, Robbie. So I appreciate you sharing that um
0: sure and i will just tell all the people who are not sure what to study out there lots of times the joke is i'll oh, go be an english major and you know, i was lucky that it's not just uh, english literature that was offered also english linguistics it really is uh, a fascinating field i didn't know what it was i went to the english department and i saw this english uh, you know at barry long university i was like "Oh, i know english let's let's do something with it i saw literature and i was like well i'm not sure what to do with that and i saw linguistics i looked at the uh curriculum that they were offering, and I was like, wow, half of these courses seem ridiculously interesting. So that's how I sort of got into linguistics at the time, and then I, you know, grew to really uh, love that and appreciate it. So, you know, it's not, you know, there's plenty of things you can do with an English degree. You can become a journalist, an editor, a proofreader, and uh, definitely a writer, a technical writer, a marketing writer. There's uh, a whole world of options out there for you.
1: Right, which seems very, very interesting as well, and, and, and I'd have to imagine puts you in a unique uh... demographic in israel in terms of the you know the the uh... your employability um... in in terms of that niche
0: i'm very fortunate and very very thankful uh... you know as uh, people may or may not know uh, i guess they can imagine you know making aliyah moving from what any country to a different country it presents tremendous challenges uh... but obviously you know we as the orthodox Jew, you you look at israel as the homeland and uh... I'm incredibly thankful and grateful that uh I was able to follow this path that was you know easy for me and I you know as much as I I'm fluent in Hebrew but it's not the same as your native language and to have been able to follow this path and get a degree here in my language find a career where these specific talents that I that I do possess and have honed uh, are appreciated and someone pays me for this uh it's uh it's really exceptional and uh, not a day goes by where i'm not thankful to uh to Hashem, to God uh for this uh, type of opportunity and it makes certainly makes it uh a heck of a lot easier to adapt uh when you've got a job and uh are able to work in your field
1: so two things thing number one is um what language then do you focus on for your children <laughs>
0: English in the home, English always and the rationale is quite simple, Uh, you know, when they go to gun, when they go to school, when they speak to their friends, you know, when they'll speak to anyone on the street, Hebrew will be there I'm not worried that they won't speak, learn understand, write Hebrew Etc. I mean, my six and a half year old daughter probably knows quite a few more, (laughs) quite a quite a bit more than I know even now after 15 years here. Um, But I'm not worried about their Hebrew. That's uh, I know that's going to happen. So I feel that it's sort of my responsibility to give them as much English as possible because my view towards languages in general is everything you know, multiply it by the number of languages you know, and that's your sum of your knowledge. So, you know, to give them the gift of uh, a second, uh, another language, and you know, it's, it's their mother tongue, and they obviously speak, uh, you know, my, my oldest, uh, she's six and a half, she speaks both languages fluently, my four-year-old as well, and uh, my little one is learning how to speak something at all. She's uh, almost two years old. Right. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, that's, that's sort of my view. I mean, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but that's the reason why I specifically am very strict. Uh, about trying to do English. I will read them books in Hebrew, etc., but I, I insist as much as possible that they speak English um, and and have that skill, because again, I'm not worried about the Hebrew, but if they end up coming out of my home and not speaking English well, I sort of view it as a, uh, I'm not going to use the word failure, but a wasted opportunity to give them sure. something that would really be useful.
1: Sure, and it's it's exactly if if this is a unique skill and ability that you have that you've been able to capitalize on to to that degree, it's a shame not to allow your kids to be able to thrive and to succeed in that way also. It's you know, and and even when the economy is good, there's no such thing as a non-challenging economy, is what I've figured out. And uh, when you Mm -hmm. have the ability to capitalize on that, why? Why not? So I'm 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 fully in favor with that. We we do get a lot of audience participation responses. I'm sure that will uh, elicit some. We have a nice listenership in Israel. Uh, feel feel free to tweet at either Robbie or at me, which is at Lightstone A. Uh, and uh, and let's hear your thoughts about teaching uh, whatever language it is in the home. I've got a friend who I'm very much in awe of uh, here, living in America. He would like to make Aliyah, has not yet had the opportunity, and he is incredibly strict. About only speaking to his kids in Hebrew, um, and, uh, and it's it's really awesome, and I'm 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 jealous of I'm jealous of his ability, and I'm jealous of the fact that that I haven't been able to do that with my children. So that's uh, you know I think is a, is a special gift. You guys would have a fair amount in common in that regard.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know about the uh, the jealous aspect, but perhaps it's something that we could try to emulate. And uh, you know, it's never too late to try to learn a language. So you you know, why not uh, channel and focus it in that direction.
1: Right. That that is that is the uh, that is the plan. That is the goal. Um, I want to get into what you're doing. Again, we use the word on the side, even though it's difficult to even have that connotation when it's clear you're putting in 20-hour days. Tell us about your, your your blog, your Twitter, your sort of what you're doing when you're not working for your primary job. What is it? Why are you driven to do it? Why does it work for you? Where do you see it going?
0: Um, well, first and foremost, when I'm not doing my job, I'm with uh, my family, because family's always first. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have a supportive wife of uh, everything that I do. And uh, it's important to give what's called hakarat hatov, because uh, nothing that I do, both at uh, the full-time job nor at the part-time job, uh, you know, goes without uh, giving her due credit of uh, being very supportive. So thank you very much, Miriam. I'll just say that in the public uh So, um, with specific regard to answering your question, uh, about uh, four and a half years ago, a friend of mine said, hey, let's start a blog. I was like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, well, Robbie, you like poker, you follow poker, you see what's going on, and you know how to write. Uh, I've got, he, uh, my friend Avi, has the uh, tech uh uh, expertise understood WordPress websites domains uh search engine optimization, all that sort of backend stuff. He said it would make a good partnership let's just start it and see what happens. So I was like, okay, let's give it a shot so i didn't know for who I was writing didn't understand much. I sort of put stuff together on a word document. I think my first um, my first uh, blog entry was summary of poker as though I knew how to summarize it in one uh, one essay, and <laughs> I put it out there. And I uh, basically I sent it to him, and he put it all up there, and uh, that's that's sort of how the first uh, blog post began in November 2009. Uh, the blog is called CardPlayerLifestyle.com, and uh, over the next uh, the following uh, year and a half, two years or so, it grew and grew, and uh, you know we started off getting you know, a couple hits a day. Um, you know that's sort of how any website starts out, and we did it on the side. Um, you know, I'll try to make the long story short. By 2011, in uh, the middle of the year, uh, my friend sort of said, hey, you know, I want to sort of go off and do other things. Would you be interested in taking over the entire site? I was like, yeah. So, uh, and I sort of uh, bought out his share. Um, and, uh, I started to really realize who my audience was and who I knew to write for. And I think my writing started to get better, reach more eyeballs. I understood, I had learned over the previous couple years from my friend, a lot about WordPress, uh, a lot about <clears throat> um, um, uh, back-end, um, not web development, but sort of how to run things from the back-end much more than just the writing, put it out there, um, understand some HTML uh, tags, all that sort of thing. He had opened up a, cou- a couple social media profiles for us uh, on Twitter, on a Facebook page, and then I realized the power of Twitter. And, you know, month by month, week, you know, week by week, month by month, everything sort of started coming together. More people started seeing it. I was getting better at the whole social media aspect and, you know, tweeting out the, the link to the article. People saw that. They shared it. And it really has been very much a snowball effect uh, to the point <clears throat> where, um, the, you know, these days I'm, thank God, I'm very thankful to be averaging 6,000 people a month visiting my website. Uh, my target audience is people in the United States who love and enjoy uh, following the poker world. I'm not, I'm not a news outlet or anything like that. I'm just one person, and I can't possibly, um, you know, crank out as much content on a daily basis, but I'm much more of the feature pieces, uh, and I try to produce content that we call, which is evergreen. So I'll produce a piece which is called Nine Topics You Should Never Talk About at the Poker Table. That's <laughs> something that sounds interesting to someone who is, you know, reading it today or a year from now or two years from now, and that was actually one of my more popular pieces. Um, and I put that same <clears throat> the same content marketing um, art and science into the titles of my pieces as well. Um, knowing who my audience is, I try mostly to write about poker stuff that's going on in the States. Uh, they're about 60 70% of my audience. And uh, at the moment, it really is uh, about growing it. And I've been very fortunate that over the last uh, year and a half or so, some of the bigger names in the poker industry uh and bigger players uh, as well uh have followed me have read my stuff have shared it and you know when you got someone who's got 300,000 followers reading and sharing your stuff it provides a gigantic spike a huge thrill because you sort of say to yourself wow people are really reading they're appreciating it and you know they respond to me they engage they uh Make comments. Uh, been invited to uh, you know, be on a whole bunch of different podcasts, and all this stuff sort of comes together, and you know that that snowball effect. It helps grow the audience further and further, and uh, I just hope that that continues.
1: You know, I'm, I'm hearing this happen, and I'm I'm just saying that uh, that uh, you know how desperately the state of Israel also needs somebody. Uh, with those mechanics, if you were to take a, it would be difficult to conjure in my mind a more disparate industry, um, you know, uh, uh, poker, gaming, whatever else it would be from Israel. That, that it's a, it's a population that around social media, and maybe you'll explain to the audience a little bit how that works and what the value is for. Why these guys who would retweet something that you have or to follow you would would be valuable, and, and why there's a poker player out there with hundreds of thousands, if not more, followers? Um, it, it's it's mm-hmm. a you know to me maybe the best analogy, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have a lot of experience in this. But when you saw the World Cup right now, America in general mm-hmm. is not a major soccer. Uh, country, certainly compared to the rest of the world, we're certainly not that way, although it's growing in popularity. You saw in Kansas City, in Chicago, even in New York, um, you know, Midtown Manhattan stopped to a degree, uh, during some of the <laughs> games. Even the games that the USA was not in, it was a phenomenon. It was something that people were interested in. I feel in many uh-huh. different ways, perhaps poker has to be like that as well. I, I, I don't know if that's true, and it's, it's a, I don't want to say a cult following, but it's a passion. It's something people do, uh, you know, uh, uh, religiously, for lack of a better term.
0: <laughs> well, it certainly has its audience. Um, I wouldn't say it's nowhere, it's nowhere near as big as, you know, the big four sports or soccer or anything like that. But And I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a cult either. I mean, you've got... Uh, and I will not exaggerate. You know, millions of people who are playing, not necessarily in casinos, but in home games with their friends. You know, that's uh, where I saw my dad once upon a time. You know, he used to play with his friends in the garage, and that's why I first got into it when I was eight years old. I mean, it's uh, it's you know America's game in a sense. Um, you know, and people are playing it. it. What happened to make it like uber popular was sort of a, a perfect storm of different things that happened. Uh, the there was actually, this is you'll find very interesting, and I'm sure the audience will as well, uh, an invention called the whole card camera. When you have a poker table and when you pick up your card, there's a little space, enough for a camera to be in there to see exactly what someone is holding. And who's seeing it is people who are watching it on television. So on the, uh, you know, there was televised poker that was coming out, and that went hand-in-hand with this whole card camera. Why I think people will find it interesting, the camera itself was invented by uh, someone who is now 92 years old. He's a Holocaust survivor uh, named Henry Orenstein. He's actually the same person who invented the Transformers. I'm sure you know the movie Transformers 4 is out right now. He is quite an amazing, uh, incredible individual with uh, another story, (laughs) an amazing story, Um, but he's the inventor of the whole card camera. That happened around the same time as televised poker got uh, incredibly popular. And why did it get popular? One, because of you know you could sort of see and understand what's going on and not just sort of watch people playing cards. You could see what they're holding and be invested in what's going on. And uh, there was this guy in 2003 named Chris Moneymaker. I, I, I kid you not that is his actual name. Um, he was uh, an accountant from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And he ended up winning the biggest poker event in the world. He qualified by playing online. This was back when everyone in the United States was playing online. Uh, he qualified in a $39 tournament. He won the tournament. And, uh, you know, he won a trip to Las Vegas to play in an event that cost $10,000 to enter. And he ended up beating out all the pros, uh, 838 other players. And when ESPN broadcast this, utilizing the technology of the whole card camera that was available. You know, there was just seven hours of footage, but they kept on replaying it over and over, and the ratings were there. People got interested. That's something that we in the industry call the poker boom. Uh, There was an interesting uh, book that was just produced about it now 10 years later called The Moneymaker Effect. I just reviewed it on my site, uh, cardplayerlifestyle.com got to get the plug in there but uh, that's sort of what happened (laughs) that's what uh that's sort of what happened in 2003 that made poker explode is it still as popular as it was then no definitely not but uh you know just like anything that becomes ridiculously popular it's not a fad it didn't go away people are certainly playing not just in america all over the world uh online where it is legal and that's who the audience is. I mean, there's definitely a world unto itself. I'm, you know, you hear me talking about it like I'm an expert because I'm very into it. But in terms of mainstream, I mean, there used to be a time a few years ago where you just channel surf and you're bound to bump into some sort of poker programming that's on. So, you know, some of that has, you know, uh, is no longer, uh, available, no longer broadcast because, uh, you know, there aren't enough sponsors necessarily for it, just like any, industry uh, money is uh, what greases the wheels there to get things produced but there's certainly uh, a big uh, following people who are interested in playing it and watching it uh, just now the main event again the biggest event of the year uh, is still going on it's on its third day and you had over 6,500 people uh, enter and pay $10,000 a piece to, for a seat to try to win uh, the first prize of 10 million dollars
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) It's pretty big. It's fascinating. It's just fascinating. you, You describe poker itself as an American sport. Is it popular internationally to the same degree that it is here?
0: Certainly not to the same degree. I mean, you, you go, you know, I think it's what, maybe 20-something states where it's legal to play poker in casinos. I mean, you go to Southern California, the biggest poker rooms in the world are there, and you've got a sea of tables where 10 people are sitting around a table, and there are 200 of them. Or there's 100 of them. There's, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's not just confined to Las Vegas. Uh, outside of America, your typical room, like your, even your large room would be, I guess, 20 tables. So uh, it's not as popular. It's definitely, I think, still America's game in that sense. I do think online because, uh, you know, it's so limited just to the three states of New Jersey, Nevada, and Delaware right now in, in America, uh, whereas other countries, they're certainly uh, able to, to play online. That's something that also added to this uh, boom of you don't have to go and visit a casino. You can play right from the comfort of your home. There's that marketing lingo happy that's what i say right from the comfort of your home um but uh that's you know if it's so easy to go ahead and play you don't even need to play for real money you play for play money and it's oh it's, this is fun this is you know to go go and play for some play chips so it definitely has its fans all over the world and uh you know whether it's uh, in its online form or it's a uh, live form the one that i cover uh in my side gig and my blog is uh is uh, more the live format, but I do also uh, follow what's going on online and if something very interesting like a new, it becomes legal in a new country, that's something I'm like, likely to write about.
1: Interesting. So I, I, I would be highly skeptical if you ever asked me to do you a favor. Um, mostly because I'm not sure if you've like done analytics on me and know the right words to have asked. And next thing you know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, traveling to like uh, South Korea to deliver a letter or something like that. Um, maybe you have parenting tips. Do you have right ways to tell your kids different stuff that way they would be more receptive than when I tell my kids stuff and they don't. <laughs> they're, they're a little bit less receptive.
0: Right, <laughs> I don't know about that um well, in parenting tips, the best thing you can do is just be a loving parent. you know it's more of a tip for the parent uh you know, just love your kids and 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 uh that was an interesting segue there but uh but uh you know just if you do everything out of love, you can't really go wrong, and you know you treat each of your kids differently as as individuals and give them the time that uh that uh, that they need and that they deserve. You know, if you love them, then uh, you should be okay. And uh, if you need assistance, then you go to train professionals for that.
1: That's uh, yeah. That wasn't necessarily the segue I was going to, but I, I I did have an interest. Yeah, I, in, didn't, I in, didn't I didn't <laughs> quite get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. I, I you know I had an interest <laughs> in you know when when you go when your kids get a little bit older, please God, and they want to know mm-hmm. what what Abba or Daddy does. Um, and ah, you discuss the industry that you're it. in in the last minute or two would you would you be able to share with us you know maybe some mm-hmm. of the, the I don't know, I don't know if challenges but how you would best explain that
0: that's a that's a great question it's an important question and something i've discussed with my wife uh, a lot And, you know, sometimes, you know, it sounds very strange. What's a good Jewish boy, you know, who, who you know, would keep on his head and, you know, and, uh, you know, davening to God, what are you doing in this sort of industry? You know, it's not just to explain to your kids. It's also to to a whole bunch of other people out there, and they give you this strange look. And, you know, I guess it sort of takes a whole hour-long conversation to say that there's more to it than the seedy gambling that you see. You know, there's definitely a science to it. There's an art to it and I think uh, as the kids grow older you know they're, they're aware that once in a while daddy goes out to to play with his friends or to go and play with grandpa because grandpa plays too is uh, you know to to just be honest about it as much and not you know if you say it with guilt you sure. know then it already makes it sound like the worst thing in the world like you say oh okay you know uh, it's so you know you can even take that uh, aspect to having at aliyah. as like if you just keep on saying, "Oh, I miss America, America's great, I miss America," then they are going to ask daddy, well, why did you come to israel you know that it's right. a, it's the same thing you know don't you have to approach it in the right way. I love living here, it's great, yes, there are certain things that I miss, like my family, et cetera, but um. But, uh, you know, the reason I'm here, I'm happy to be here, and that's sort of what you have to project to them. By the same token, uh, to move it to the industry that I'm in, already my oldest definitely knows that I write. She's seen my logo, she loves my website, and she sees when Daddy gets happy that he got a big spike in traffic. Uh, that You know, I say, a lot of people are reading what I write. What am I writing about just yet? We'll get there when we get there. We'll cross the bridge. And, uh, you know, you just be very honest about it, and you have to sort of let them draw their own conclusions, and hopefully they won't be the wrong ones and uh, they'll still, uh, you know, remain uh, loving, wonderful kids, even though uh, it might not be something that uh, they necessarily approve of.
1: Right, and, 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 you know, frankly, I'm disappointed I left that question to the very bottom of the hour because, well, I'm not, but it's important to understand the industry. I think it's important to understand the science of marketing. I think it's important to understand how you use multimedia, social media, excuse me, in order to develop really a, a following on something that people are passionate about, To me, I think that's valuable because there's not an industry and there's not a company that can't use that in a meaningful and important way, and it's something for us to be aware of. The second piece in terms of industries and explaining to kids and everything else like that I think has – has significant value, and, and we'd like to have you on a different time in order to be able to discuss that. I, I, I want to to give you an opportunity the last uh, minute or two that we have, first of all, to thank you, secondly, to remind our audience that uh, that once again, you've been listening to Tech Talk on the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmanthem.org or nachamsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Um, if you can leave a message to our audience, which is overwhelmingly not in Israel, although we do have some people in Israel, what we can and should be doing for our brethren, and I feel even closer to you during this interview, just because of where you are uh, and the statement that you've made on behalf of the Jewish people in Israel, what can we do over here, please?
0: That's a tremendous, weighty question, um, the best thing I think uh, I think that people need to do is to have a lot of faith, a lot of Imuna and Hashem, you know, like La Havdil, Elif know, to make a complete, distinct separation. When the Holocaust was going on, there were people who lost their faith in God and said, what is he doing to us? Uh, and I think uh, the most important thing to realize here is God does have his master plan, and it's up to us to not necessarily see those of us who are here to run away uh, it's up to us to sort of say, "Hey, this is our land. It, it belongs to us. God promised it to us, and we have to want it in order to deserve it." Um, those of you who are abroad, you need to, I believe, remember that message. Uh, there's a very unfortunate thing that happened uh, just a couple weeks ago in the uh, in the Parsha of Shlach and the uh, weekly uh, Torah portion where the spies, 10 of the spies, gave a bad report about the country, and two of the spies gave a good report. It's important that through thick and thin, whatever is happening, whatever, uh, you know, riots or rallies or rockets or whatever it is that's, that's happening to us, to remember that, you know, whatever we do on the ground with our army uh, you know, with, with our regular daily routine, that's, that's one thing, but we have to sort of remember that God is, uh, I think, uh, this is what I subscribe to. God is protecting us here, I believe He wants us here, and it's not something that just sort of gets handed to you on a silver platter. You have to want it, you have to deserve it, and, uh, obviously pray that, uh, you know, that, uh, those who don't want us here do not accomplish their goals and to, to give our soldiers who are very much risking their lives, um, the strength to go on and to uh, accomplish what I believe is uh, a holy, a holy mission. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a rabbi or anything like that. I'm just a simple Jew who lives here in the Shomron. And you know, uh, ideologies, whatever you want to call it. I think the basic tenet, uh, one of the basic tenets of Judaism, is He gave us a land, and uh, you have to just really want it. And even if you're abroad, this is something that you could identify with, support with, and You know, God willing, one day, you know, me from L.A., you know, talking like a big American, I've been here for 15 years, I don't plan on going back, I wouldn't say back home, this is home, this is home for everybody, and I do hope uh, I'll be, uh, you know, try to be the best ambassador for the country and for Aliyah as I can be. This is where we will eventually end up, so hopefully come before there's, uh, you know, no space left on the plane.
1: (laughs) Thank you for taking the time, we'll take the message to heart, want to, Thank our audience for taking the time to listen to us, Robbie. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Keep your family safe, and, uh, thank and you know very that much. Uh, that we're thinking of you guys there. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much, Arya. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie.